0: I know study after study shows that having meaning and purpose in your life makes you live longer. And purpose doesn't have to be that you're going to change the world. It might be something like taking care of a plant or that you are just going to brighten somebody else's day, but that we all can make a contribution.
1: Hello and welcome to the Live Long and Master Aging podcast. My name is Peter Bowes. This is where we explore the science and stories behind human longevity. Now we talk a lot on this podcast about the things we can do to improve our chances of getting to a ripe old age. As the science behind human longevity evolves, we can tweak our exercise regimes, the way we feed ourselves, the lifestyles we lead, all in the pursuit of a long Health span, the number of years that we enjoy optimum health. But then something happens in our lives, stuff happens that throws us off course. And life, of course, is full of surprises, not all of them pleasant. We have to deal with all of them as they affect us at different stages in our lives. Sometimes we're thrown completely off course by unexpected illness, diseases that we can do nothing or relatively little about not only affecting ourselves, but our loved ones as well. So how do we cope with that? Well, today my guest is Amy Morin. Amy is a psychotherapist and the author of several books, including the international bestseller 13 Things Mentally Strong People... Don't do, Amy. It's good to see you.
0: Thanks for having me.
1: So we will talk about your books in a second. Uh, I'd like to just get some perspective on what brought you to this subject, and I know a lot of personal experience. Uh, reflecting a little bit of what I've just been saying has affected your thinking on this in, in terms of mental strength.
0: Yeah, I was a therapist and uh, always interested, kind of, in what makes people tick. Um, But in the beginning of my career, it was more about um, what I'd learned in textbooks and the things that I'd learned in college and about then instilling mental strength in other people based on those things. But uh, during the first year of my work as a therapist, my mom passed away suddenly from a brain aneurysm, and it made it become personal to me. It wasn't just about teaching people what came out of a textbook, but it was more about I want to know what uh, helps people get through tough times from a personal level. And so I started studying the people that came into my office to figure out why is it that some people bounce back, they seem to go through struggles and they become stronger while other people get stuck and they just can't get past, they can't get over something that they really struggle so much in their pain and misery that they find that they just never heal from it. So. I started studying those people from a personal level and learned a lot about their habits and the things that they did that helped them um, and realized pretty quickly on sometimes it wasn't always about what they did. Sometimes it was more about what they didn't do. And then on the th- it was actually three years to the day that my mom died. My 26-year-old husband died of a heart attack and found myself a widow at 26, which is such an odd place to be. And again, just had to say, how do you dig deep? How do you go on and still live an okay life? And I felt like my heart was broken and um, certainly wasn't anything I'd ever imagined in a million years would ever happen. And so now I had to figure out, um, I had hope that I could still go on and live a happy and healthy life, but um, I knew it took a lot of work to get there. And so I worked on all the things that I'd been learning in my therapy office, what helps and what not to do. And it took a long time. It took years before I felt like, okay, I'm, I'm okay again, and I um, feel like I can still be happy and healthy and, and move forward in life. And was fortunate enough to get married again, found love, and thought, this is wonderful. And shortly after that, though, after I got married, my father-in-law was diagnosed with terminal cancer. And I thought, oh, why do I have to keep losing loved ones? This isn't fair. Why me?
1: Uh, You just used the phrase that I I was going to ask you about, (laughs) but uh, it it must come to mind, the, the why me question.
0: Right. And it certainly did. And I just kept thinking, I know so many friends and family members who haven't really lost anyone in these past few years. And here I am losing three people really close to me. And But then I knew, okay, I'm sitting around hosting this pity party, and that's not helpful. And so I sat down and I wrote a list of Um, The things that would drain me of mental strength. And number one on the list was that mentally strong people don't feel sorry for themselves. And when I was done, I had a list of 13 things. And I thought, okay, I'm going to read over this list and as much as I need to, to help me be as strong as I possibly can. And after a few days, I thought, wow, this is helpful just to have this reminder in front of me. Maybe it will help somebody else. So I published it online, stepped away from my computer, hoping that it would resonate with a couple of people. And to my surprise, it went viral. Fifteen million people read the article. And here I am, five years later, still talking about it. Um, Because I think we want to know, okay, it's great to have good habits in life, but what are the bad habits? Because sometimes you're only as good as your worst habit. You could just have one or two bad habits, and they counteract all the hard work that you're doing. And Personally, I'm a fan of saying let's work smarter, not just harder. So I think sometimes it's just about eliminating your your worst habit or two if you want to live your best life.
1: Yeah, and what's interesting about your list, and we'll go through a, a few of them, uh, not all of them, maybe people should buy your book and, <laughs> and read in detail, but we'll, we'll talk about a few of them. What's interesting to me is that you don't necessarily have to have gone through the life-changing traumas that you did three uh, tragic deaths in your life you don't have to have gone through that to benefit from a list like this you can live what i suppose most people do and that is you get to a a later age 50 60 and then you start to lose people and that's natural right that's, that's to be expected but you can still benefit from a lot of your thoughts Just everyday life.
0: Yeah, I think so often we wait until we hit some sort of hardship or tragedy to think, okay, what do I do now to to right. become mentally strong. Well, it's too late. You know, you don't want to become physically strong the moment you have to pick up a heavy box. You want to be prepared for it. And and it's not just for hardship, as you say. It's for living your best life and reaching your greatest potential and getting the the most you can out of every day that you here. You need to be mentally strong. And um, part of that is saying, how do you build mental strength every day? And how do you get rid of those bad habits that drain you of mental strength?
1: One that strikes me, uh, number three, they don't shy away from change. Now, as we, um, on this podcast, podcast we talk a lot about change when it applies to people changing their lifestyle their diet or their exercise or their sleep regime and people are often nervous about making those changes because that's how life has always been but you see it the other way that to move forward and to be positive you have to shy away from the status quo
0: yes that i think you know our world is changing so rapidly and success often depends on our ability to adapt when you see somebody that's digging in their heels and saying, I'm going to stay exactly the same, well, uh, other people outgrow you. The world is going to move at a rapid pace and you're going to lag back. And you sort of have to figure out, okay, this is uncomfortable, but uh, I can do it. It's not the end of the world to do something differently. But, but I know that we all do this to some extent. We don't want to learn something new. It's frustrating to, to try to do things in a different way. Um, And there's no guarantee that it will make our lives better. Sometimes we think, you know, I'm going to keep doing it this way because I'm okay with it. I don't want to do something different. But even as therapists, I've been in meetings where a group of therapists sit around and talk about how frustrating it is that our clients won't change. But then in that same meeting, our IT department will tell us that we're going to have a new computer system and and we're all upset and frustrated because we don't want to do something different. So I think it's part of our human nature is to just want to keep things simple and easy and keep doing them the same way that we've always done them. But, um, But it's really important for us to just embrace change and that you can adapt to things better than you give yourself credit for
1: and what's the best piece of advice that you have that you can give people who can't get over that hurdle that just feel as if that it would be too much trouble that perhaps they've got nothing to gain in my mind, I often think of the phrase, you only live once. Mm-hmm. And you know, you might as well give it a go.
0: Right. You know, I think for people that are really resistant to it, sometimes it's helpful to just remember, you can do it one step at a time. And if just it could be a baby step, if you want to dip your toe in the in the shallow end and say, okay, let's see how this is, I'm going to learn more about it. But to just be open to that. And a lot of changes aren't all or nothing. If you try something new, and it doesn't work out, remind yourself, you could go back and, and do it the old way again, but it doesn't hurt anything to to learn and to be open to trying something a little bit different
1: one thing that really struck me from your list it's actually number seven they don't dwell on the past and this is something i've come across a lot especially with people leading good purposeful lives well into their old age and they've lived fantastic lives and they've got a lot to to think about but not necessarily dwell on and I think what keeps moving them forward is the fact that they think about tomorrow and the next week and they plan things for the future even though they are 80 or 90 years old they're looking more to the future than backward and we'll continue this conversation in just a moment
0: hey quick question for you are you someone who wants to be fit healthy and happy Yeah, I think sometimes people get to the point in their life where they start to think, gosh, I didn't do all the things I wanted to do. And they begin to regret it. They look back at their lives and they start to think, if I only would have gone down that path or done this differently. But then I see other people who get to that point in their life and they think, gosh, I still have 50 things I want to do. I'm going to go ahead and do them. And they start taking action and they start doing those things, whether they're 70 years old or 90 years old and they aren't. Um, they aren't willing to throw in the towel and say, there's nothing I can do. And I know study after study shows that having meaning and purpose in your life makes you live longer. And your meaning does, and purpose doesn't have to be that you're going to change the world. It might be something like taking care of a plant or that you are just going to brighten somebody else's day, but that we all can make a contribution. And people that come into my therapy office, sometimes the ones who are struggling the most, they're struggling with depression, they're struggling with anxiety – they really don't feel like they have a reason to get out of bed every day, and they start giving up in relationships. Some of them stop working. They stop getting out there and doing things, and then they end up just staying in bed. And the more they stay in bed, the less they have to do, and the less they have to do, the less impact they're making. And it's this vicious cycle that becomes really hard to break.
1: And how important do you think, in terms of getting out and doing things, is the social interaction that that. Brings. The, it's very easy for people. And, and, and in some senses, technology can work against us because it actually helps us stay at home to do things. You can use your device and have things delivered. But I think the motivation to get out there and meet people is a positive thing as you get older.
0: Absolutely. When they looked at uh, studies of loneliness and isolation, it's almost as lethal as smoking 15 cigarettes a day when you're lonely. We've talked about that, yeah. Yeah, and so I think, and then as you say, technology is this double-edged sword. Sometimes it helps us connect with people from – our past that we haven't talked to in a long time. But on the other hand, it becomes much easier to then just do things over, over the internet rather than meeting for coffee or getting out there and talking to people. But I think social relationships are huge and that uh, our journeys aren't meant to be by ourselves. It's meant to be surrounded by people. And social support is huge when it comes to that. And even in building mental strength that you need to have other people around you to help you realize okay my thinking isn't in line with with the way it could be or okay i'm down and my friends are trying to cheer me up and our friends and family and social supports can be huge in helping us change the way we think change the way we feel and take more positive action which is really the hallmarks of mental strength
1: the uh, success of of your writing uh, i think from what you said already has taken you by surprise you didn't expect it to explode in this way so what effect has it had on your life. Obviously, you had these original thoughts and were presumably applying them to your life and helping you get through some very difficult times. But the success of what you've done, how has that changed you?
0: Well, you know, in many ways. I was a therapist in rural Maine and um, figured I would just be talking to people one-on-one in my office, and that's how life would be. And I was fairly content with that and never imagined that it would go viral or that my book is now in 32 languages. And... Um, even when I was writing the book, I was thinking, I don't know that anybody will read this. So it was amazing then to just hit past list and things like that. Um, so it's just given me the opportunity to do a lot of what I was doing one-on-one on just a much bigger scale. I get to speak at conferences and um, reach people in other countries now, which is really strange to me. <laughs>
1: just looking at number five on your <laughs> list, they don't worry about pleasing everyone. And mm-hmm. that, again, is something I, I come across a lot, that people who are maybe conflicted in their, lo- in their lives, one of the issues is that they want to try to please everyone. And that, in some ways, stops them from moving forward.
0: Yes. It's so tempting, I think, sometimes to think if you just make everybody around you happy, then you'll be well-liked, or that somehow that will eliminate some of the problems or reduce conflict. But what happens is we start to lose sight of our values. We forget what's really important, and then we also forget, too, it's not our responsibility. You can't make anybody be happy. It's not your responsibility to control how other people feel. And, in fact, you can't. If you've ever tried to please everyone, you know that somebody's going to be dissatisfied. And I think our the Internet proves that. You could put something on social media that's relatively mundane and there's a good chance you'll offend someone and that that's okay that your job isn't to make sure that everybody around you is happy all the time and that you might as well take a stand on the things that you really believe in and know that if everybody doesn't agree with you that that's okay but if you're used to being a people pleaser that's really uncomfortable and hard to do at first
1: yeah and i kind of um, correlate that thought with uh, what i've heard from a lot of people again on the podcast talking about changing their diet or changing their exercise regime to something that's a little bit out of the norm now that whether that's becoming a vegan or a vegetarian or not eating certain foods or exercising at unusual times of the day or taking on different types of exercise that your friends don't understand or don't want to do and you're the odd one out and then the resolve goes because you want to try to fit in so how do people kind of applying your rules how do you stick to your your own personal resolve that you want to do this and you believe it is a positive thing when others around you are being rather skeptical.
0: Yeah, it's tough when you make a change and other people aren't making a change, that it makes other people uncomfortable sometimes and they think, well, you know, why are you getting up at two in the morning to go to the gym? Or why are you giving up meat and I feel guilty now that I am, or it's uncomfortable that I'm eating it and you're not. Whatever it is, I say this in couples and um in friendships as well. So I think sometimes when you make a decision and you know it's going to be hard to stick to it, create a list of all the reasons why you should do it. And then when you're tempted to not do it because you are feeling emotional, you're frustrated, you're angry, you're embarrassed, read over the list. And just having a logical list of reasons why you should either engage in a different habit or you should give something up raises your logic. And when our emotions and our logic are more in balance, we make the best decisions. So whether it's I'm going to get up in the morning and go to the gym or I'm not going to eat a certain food, or I'm not going to go out to dinner with my friends because it's not good for me, then you just have that list. And when you're tempted to make a decision otherwise, read over that list and it can help you to stick to your long-term goal.
1: Yeah. And I think what a lot of people don't realize is that uh, sticking to your guns and and doing things your way, it does uh, garner respect at the end of the day. It might not be immediately apparent to you. People might not say it to you, might not express it to you. But it is there, I think, and then you will perhaps begin to achieve things, and that helps people nurture you in terms of what you're doing, and that perhaps you're not such an, an odd one out as you might have originally thought.
0: Yes, I see that all the time, somebody who's maybe going to change their financial habits. so. It- interferes with friendships because they can't do as much as they used to with their friends. But then – and so the, in the beginning, their friends are kind of making fun of them or saying, you know, no, you should really do this or they call them cheap. But then in the long run, their friends do garner more respect of like, oh, this is what you did it for. You stuck to your guns. You reached your goals. You changed your life. and um, And I see the benefits of it now. Um, so I do think that's so important to to know. These are my values. I'm going to stick to it. Not everybody might like it, but that's OK. And
1: mentally strong people, you say, don't expect immediate results. Now, that that couldn't be more relevant to, again, a lot of the stuff that we talk about in terms of long term health longevity health span you might be doing something now that will affect you in 30 or 40 years time and it's very easy i think for some people to lose sight of of that that the results will be some way down the road and they won't be happening to you overnight there's a certain resilience there in in certain people that um, they will stick to their guns to ultimately achieve something positive.
0: Yes. And I, even in my, since I started my therapy practice in about 2002 to now, I've seen a huge difference in how much people expect immediate results. And I think it's because of the internet and you can order everything you want online and we expect it to be shipped and it needs to be on your doorstep in two days. And so when it comes to other goals in life, people really expect to see results. They'll give up on a diet if they don't see results in, in a week. Or people will come to therapy and they'll say, well, you know, therapy is not working. And they'll say, "What makes you think it's not working?" And they'll say, "Well, I've been here for a couple of weeks and I don't feel better." And I'll have to explain, "Okay, you were depressed for ten years, and two weeks of therapy really isn't going to cure all of that. It takes a lot longer." Um, but we live in this world of no lines and no waiting, and we want, "Okay, is there a pill that will fix this? What can I do right now?" And sometimes people will give up way too soon, or they aren't seeing progress fast enough, so they decide that they have to take a shortcut to, to try to speed it up, and it's an unhealthy shortcut. Um, but really, so many things in our life about positive change is the marathon, not the sprint, but to you have to have a... a says some faith that it's going to work out in the end and that you have to keep trudging through when things get tough and in the beginning we're so motivated and excited and it's much easier and then about day seven (laughs) our motivation goes out the window and we see this with New Year's resolutions by January 18th almost nobody's still sticking to it and uh, you just have to be prepared that that's part of the process, that motivation uh, wanes and you're going to be frustrated and you're going to want to give up. But how do you get through those tough times?
1: And social media doesn't always help, does it? Because right. we see whether it's Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, whatever it is. We see the results of what other people are achieving or what they say they're achieving. And it always seems to be a little bit better than what we've managed to do. And we're easily upset by that and influenced by it. How do we kind of put up a wall? I mean, short of just not looking at any of that stuff, how do we rise above some of the things that we see and read that we think are perhaps a criticism of of what we're doing?
0: I think it's all about perspective. Um, Studies will show that, that um, we tend to envy people on social media and that's directly linked to depression. Um, And they've done studies on Facebook, but we know Instagram is actually the worst one for your mental health. Just looking at images of beautiful people doing exciting and fun things makes you think that their lives are all better than yours. So I think just having that piece of perspective, you know, that uh, when you're looking at somebody that you're just getting that snapshot, literal snapshot of their life in an instant and they're showing you the very best and you're not getting the whole picture that sometimes just because somebody looks like they're having a wonderful time you don't know how they feel on the inside you don't know what problems that person has and so I think just taking a moment to assess how do I feel when I look at social media why do I feel this way and then assessing your thoughts am I thinking everybody else is happier am I thinking everybody else has a better life and then realistically is that true and so sometimes I go back to just asking yourself the one simple question of Uh, Well, what what advice would I give to my friend? Well, if my friend were looking at Instagram and said, I feel terrible when I look at these images, what would you say to your friend? Well, maybe you'd say, you look great too, or don't worry about it, or maybe you shouldn't spend as much time looking at Instagram. But sometimes we give our friends much better advice than we give ourselves. And if we just give ourselves that same advice, it can go a long way that we um, toward treating ourselves with more self-compassion.
1: Yeah. And I think there's a, a good message in that, in just generally how we treat other people. You see someone, it could be in an elevator, it could be waiting for a bus. You just don't know what that person is going through in that moment or in that day. And you shouldn't judge.
0: Right. Yeah, I think if we kept that in mind, the world would be a much kinder place. Because it's so easy to forget that 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 person who looks like they're rude, well, they might be having a really bad day for a reason. And if we just kept that in perspective, I think we'd treat other people a lot more respectfully.
1: Do you think the. The times, and I don't really want to get into politics, but the times that we're going through at the moment, which I think most people will acknowledge, especially here in the United States, are not good. There's a lot of unrest, there's a lot of frustration, people are disillusioned with a lot of different things. Is it proving challenging to be mentally? Resilient or or strong during these times?
0: Uh, you know, I think so. I'm seeing anxiety is through the roof, and I think one of the reasons is because people consume so much news right now, and it's not even just on our TVs. We know it's on your it's on your smartphone, it's uh, on your laptop, everywhere, and so you're scrolling through social media, and everybody's talking about politics, and it's just difficult to escape from. And I think just being surrounded by that, I mean, I don't know too many political conversations that unfold on Facebook that are positive and healthy. (laughs) And even the ones that start out that way tend to go south really quickly when you start reading the comments and people are arguing. And so I think to, it's, to stay mentally healthy in today's world, you have to set some limits. Decide you aren't going to be so consumed by by um, the news that it really brings down your day because it can. And we know that the news is all about you know catastrophes, and even when it's not about politics, it's telling you about the worst natural disasters and horrific crime events. And it's not good for your, it, it, after a while, it seems like that's all there is in the world. There's not a lot of uh, good news out there. And so you have to be more purposeful about saying, how am I going to find those stories about people who are doing well, people who are treating others with respect, people who are doing great things. And sometimes you have to purposely seek those out.
1: Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? That as we, as, it, as you say, it is easier and easier to consume news. It's everywhere. Yet it seems we need to create these new boundaries, for ourselves yes. to survive it yes, and just not let it get to us.
0: And I think there's a fear that people think, well, I need to be educated or I don't want to be left out of the loop. Um, so they're hesitant to, to do just that, to say I'm not going to um, follow the news. But... Um, you know, I don't know, a lot of news stories, when you're done reading them, you're not necessarily more educated, it's just somebody else's opinion that we're reading about, and we still don't have all the facts. And so I think it's just important to say, how much time do I spend consuming the news? How much time do I watch it? How much time do I spend reading it? And is this good for me? And if you're going to set boundaries, sometimes it's physical boundaries. Don't follow those things on Facebook or decide that you're going to uh, not sit down and watch the morning news and the evening news because it's the same stuff. <laughs> and um, and then when it comes to talking to friends, if you have somebody that wants to engage in a lot of a doom and gloom kind of conversations, you might have to set boundaries and say – Let's talk about something positive today.
1: We uh, on the podcast, obviously, we talk a lot about human longevity and and the aspiration, I think, for a lot of people listening, is to live that long, healthy life. It isn't necessarily about how old you'll get to, but just living a good, purposeful life and a a healthy life. I'm curious, is that something you think about as it applies to your own life? And do you live... Accordingly, are yeah, there certain things that you do to try to, to get to that ripe old age. And particularly interested in what you think about that, knowing that you have lost people at a very young age, very, very close to you. And that, I assume, very significantly colors your opinion on that.
0: It does. You know, it became clear to me that it's not necessarily about how many years you live, but how much life you put into those years. My mom was only 51 when she passed away. Um, and the older I get, the more I think, gosh, 51 is not that far off. And, um, you know, I had my, my biological grandparents um, were old ever since I was a little kid. They sat in their rocking chairs and watched um, The prices Right and didn't really do that much. Well, my um, first husband's grandmother, she's 93, and um, lives her life in a way that I think, gosh, if I could do that, you know, she was – she swam with sharks with us when she was 89, 88, something like that, but she gets out and lives life, and I think – that's so important. I've really tried to make sure that in my life I do the same thing that you, you take the adventure. You go out there and you do it, and um, just try to live every day uh, doing things, even when it's uncomfortable, when it's hard. Um, I think it's all about the, having the stories to tell too, so that I have something to talk about rather than saying, you know, I gosh, I sat in my rocking chair and um, watched a lot of TV. I don't want that to be my life. I want to be somebody who goes out there and. Um, takes the adventure when when you have the chance yeah
1: even though the price is right it's quite a good tv show.
0: it it is absolutely but i (laughs) totally take what you say
1: i'd rather be out there swimming (laughs) with the sharks do you think a little bit of pain and a little bit of or in some cases a lot of adversity is in some ways good for us and positive for us
0: i do i think it's such an opportunity to learn about yourself and to know that you can you're stronger than you think Um, In my case, I can say I definitely now I don't sweat the small stuff. Little things don't really matter. Um, It's helped me see the bigger picture and things that used to be terrifying. Public speaking was my number one fear. I wouldn't get in front of three people, let alone um, 5,000 people on a stage. But it doesn't matter anymore and that um, I can easily put things into perspective. And I think pain also makes us um, appreciate the good times in life way more than ever before that um if i was happy all the time i wouldn't appreciate being happy but now that i know i've been in the the depths of despair when i'm happy gosh it feels way better than it ever did before
1: i mentioned at the start you've written several books you've got another one coming out soon haven't you
0: yes i um the second book was all about parents parents just kept asking me how do we raise kids to be mentally strong so that book came out and then from that i've had so many moms and so many women say what about for women so my next book will be 13 things mentally strong women don't do
1: can you give us a a teaser there i mean it it couldn't be more opposite of course of the times that we're living through this year in particular
0: well you know a lot of it has to do with the research for women on um, social comparisons women tend to compare even more than men do on social media and that sort of a thing Um, it has a lot to do with confidence and how do you you know what types of things have we been socialized as women to do and how do you step up and um, speak out in a way that um, helps you be your strongest self
1: are are women do you think stronger now knowing what we've gone through the me Too movement and 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 all of that over the last couple of years
0: I think so I think definitely that uh, women are feeling more empowered than ever and knowing okay we can use our voices and speak up and um, make a difference
1: Amy it's been really good to talk to you how can people get in touch or, or follow what you do
0: um, my website is Amy Morin LCSW is in licensed clinical social com, and it's got um, some of my talks and information about my books and I uh, online course I have on mental strength.
1: Really good to meet you. Thank you very much indeed.
0: Thanks for having me.
1: And I will put all of those details into the show notes for this episode of the Lama podcast. You'll find us at llamapodcast.com that's double L-A-M-A podcast.com We are recording this episode at the annual Body Computing Conference at the University of Southern California here in Los Angeles and I'll also put a link in the show notes to the conference website. You can watch the videos of the sessions at a later time. My thanks to everyone here at usc for your hospitality and help with the podcast and thank you for listening